Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio my name is bill Matz, and honestly this is way too gleeful an intro for what has been going down for the last 24 days let's call it uh it's it's just an utter freaking embarrassment i just want to get in on this get out of it and go on with the rest of my day so let's get right into the introductions let's lead things off with the fly by yourself kelly hinkle I think the thing that I hate more than anything about right now is that the Flyers have made us seem stupid. Yes, 100%. For believing that they could play hockey games. No. And, like, my... we weren't stupid. Yeah. We were just stating facts. And then the Flyers were like, well, actually, we simply don't play hockey anymore. Facts don't so care about your feelings. all that positivity, yeah. All that positivity can be shoved right up your ass because we are the worst. No, I'm taking and that, that me. I'm taking that part especially personally. Like yeah. this is an attack on us. Yes. For believing in them. They're like, "Ha, you fucking idiots." Like How could you do this? Yeah. Uh, from the athletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Yeah, it's funny. The uh, the day last week when I think I just kind of came to the conclusion that like this clearly just isn't their year it wasn't even a loss it was it was that game they they won 4-3 against the Islanders right after the 9-0 game because like they dominated that game they they were far and away better than the Islanders like, it wasn't even close they they played pretty much the perfect game that you can play against the Islanders and yet they still almost lost it because Carter Hart can't stop a puck because Travis Sanheim accidentally deflects a shot into his own net, because Claude Giroux just misses on deflecting a pass that then squeezes through Carter Hart, who still can't stop a puck. And yeah, they come back and they win, and great, Oscar Lemal makes a play, that's awesome. But like, sometimes it's just not a team's year, and that was just like a shining example of, you do everything right, and you still barely win, it's just not the year. It's just not the year. Like it, it, it can't be the year when, even when you are good, you are still bad. So Stinks. I guess, yeah, it's. I, I, I want to just chalk it up to not being the year. Like we all know everything wrong with this season. We don't need to get into the details. I can just say it's a fucked up year, and people will go, yes, things are fucked up. But I guess that like. What the fuck? <laughs> Isn't everyone dealing with a crazy year? Like, why? Why is this happening? Like, is there any... Is there something wrong with this mix of players? Like, 
have they decided Maybe. it's just not their year? Because they look at times completely disinterested. I know the schedule's exhausting. I can look on all of our faces and know that the schedule's exhausting. Mm. Charlie's t-shirt, the deep V, shows me that the <laughs> schedule's exhausting. Uh, but, like, you know, isn't everyone dealing with this bullshit? Like... Why? Why are they doing this to us? It feels like an attack personal. I mean, yes, yes. Every, every, pretty much every team is dealing with it. Obviously, the teams that had COVID pauses, like yeah. the Flyers, are dealing with it worse because they have to make up for the games they didn't play. So, no, not every team is dealing with this as badly as the Flyers are. But, yeah, every team is dealing with it with a difficult schedule. And, yeah, I mean, it's not acceptable. The Flyers should be playing better. They're better. They're – I, I – you know, people will lose their fucking minds, but, like, they are a better team than this. They are more talented than this. And just because they're playing poorly doesn't mean that you were right to think that the team is just objectively fucking trash and all the players are bad. But, like, they're better than this, and they're not playing like it, and that's why it's frustrating. It's frustrating because they, they have more talent than to go 4-8-1 and one in March. They do, and they're not. I've never been so confused as a Flyers fan in my entire 25 years of watching Flyers games. The thing is, I just I, can't yeah. figure it out. I'm, I, the thing is, I'm not confused. Like, I know why this is happening. I mean, this is happening. I wrote an article earlier this week breaking down all the reasons why this is happening. You know, yes. it, the goaltending is playing like crap. Sometimes that happens. The schedule is is compounding the issues. The young players are just a mess right now. Like, that, that that's I one, know, but that's the thing where it's like, I, I, I mean, I read that. Yeah. And all of your points were good. And all of those things are true. But, like, the why of those things is what I struggle with because there is no real reason why a team that is as talented as the Flyers are on paper and that this exact mix of players, pretty much, has played well together before, now they just aren't for reasons. Yeah, well, you know, hockey sucks sometimes. Indeed it does, Charles. Like, And that is all the time. <laughs> I knew Kelly was the host now. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, like, uh, man, I, I know we can just kind of chalk this up to it's one of those years where everything that could go wrong does. It's just a Murphy's Law season. But I just, my fear with that explanation is... Then we run it back again, and then a year from now, we go, oh, wow, yep, the mix is bad, and there's no way to fix it now. Is there some way to salvage this season, or at least put them in better position to not let this happen next year? Like, can they fix this? Because, man, somehow, somehow, they are only two points behind Boston. Like, they're only two points up on the Rangers, but they're only two points behind Boston for a playoff spot. Can they fix this? Yeah. Yeah, they could. I mean, I, I think they're probably too far, especially because the only reason why they're close with Boston is because Boston's dealing with a COVID pause, which yeah. I guess in theory, I mean, you know, maybe Boston will come back and be a mess too, and then, you know, the there will be a, you know, a... 2010 like race to you know for someone to, to get that final playoffs spot even though everyone's losing um but 
Yeah, I mean, I could easily see them in April, you know, when they finally get a couple days to, to recharge and the schedule isn't, you know, game, day off, game, game, day off, that they start playing better and maybe Hart gets his head right and he starts, you know, stealing some games. Sure. I mean, look back on that 2018-2019 season that was a total, absolute dumpster fire of a season. They fired everybody. The team was a disaster. In, like, March of that year, I think it was, like, February, March of that year, they inexplicably started winning a lot of games. They weren't yeah. playing well, but they started winning a lot of games because hockey's freaking weird, and sometimes that happens. So, like, I could easily see in April them rattling off, like, five of six. But it's not going to matter, I don't think, because I think by then they're going to be too far back and there just won't be enough time. I think that people at this point consider salvaging this season to mean making some kind of move to improve the roster. And I don't know that a, there's any point to that because I think very clearly this is not the year the flyers are winning the Stanley cup. Um, but also like nothing matters as I think Charlie said a thousand times, nothing matters until the goaltending gets right. Like they could bring in, five more guys that are better theoretically than the guys they have now. And if Carter Hart and Brian Elliott are still 880 goaltenders, it doesn't matter. No, that's, that's just it. No, 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 none of it matters. And, and in fairness, like truthfully, I haven't even gone back and really relooked at all the goals they gave up last night, but like, I didn't think Carter Hart was terrible. I thought he made, I thought he made some, some big saves. You know, I thought he made some stops on breakdowns that it was like, wow, that was the kind of type of save that last week they were not getting. And, you know, maybe he's slowly trending upward. Maybe he's just had a slightly less bad game, but like the save percentage was still trash. And at some point you you are hoping that your goalie can steal you a game. And he's clearly not in any shape to do that right now. And neither is Brian Elliott because probably the Flyers overworked him because Carter Hart can't play very well at all. So, yeah, I mean, the goaltending, it's not going to matter. Like, the Flyers officially now have the worst save percentage in hockey. You know, back to those days. Man, thought those were done. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you, you, you can't be a good team when your goaltending is stopping 88% of shots. You can't. And if Hart doesn't figure it out or if Elliot doesn't discover the fountain of youth and deliver an incredible April and May, then, yeah, none of it's going to matter. But that doesn't mean that the other problems aren't real. They are. No, yeah, and, like, last night, was Carter Hart great? No. But, Charlie, I'll save you some time. I know you're going to actually go back and do the work anyway, but I'll save you some time on, on rewatching the goals against Flyers standing still, Devils doing things. Like, mm-hmm. boom, puck in net. I- I've never seen a team that stands still this fucking much. Like, they just stand there. They don't Constantly. move on offense or defense. They just are stationary. It's like practice. But, so, uh, let well, me they're, get back they're not, to the Well, they're not practicing, so they're just practicing yeah. during the games. That's I did a, I did a radio hit last night where they were like the the, the little comeback at the end uh, Couturier gets a couple of goals I'm like no that was scrimmage time that wasn't even garbage time the game was actually over not even theoretically over the game was over uh, let's get back to the goalies real quick they they did a thing where you know Brian Elliott had like five days off and then. They used Alex Lyon as the backup because they mm-hmm. were like, we can't put Carter Harden back to backs. This thing is, you know, this thing is spiraling out of control with our netminders. Um, Brian Elliott plays pretty well because he had five days off. Then they go right back to Carter Hart with Brian Elliott backing up. 
why? Like, why not just play Alex Lyon twice? Why are we... If the one guy is so old, he needs days off, otherwise he cannot be good, and the other guy's head is so fucked that we're terrified of putting him in games, like, when he doesn't start, and honestly, when he does start, like, why not just throw Alex Lyon in there for three straight games, let the other goalies maybe find their reset button, and then we go from there? It's a fair point. I, the The thing that makes that tough is that and this just, again, goes back to the, like, you almost have to laugh because it's so sad type of season, is that Lion has barely played two. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. I guess there's a point of you could say, well, just light the games on fire, throw them out there, let them get shelled and give up eight goals. What's the difference? Which is fair. But, like, so Alex Lyon, and this maybe is, is sort of on, on Fletcher to a degree, um, because they, they probably could have prioritized getting Lyon starts in the AHL earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, in the season, but the way it basically played out was Lyon was in the taxi squad for the first month of the season. The AHL didn't start right away, so he obviously couldn't play when that happened. Then the whole team got COVID, which I'm pretty sure included Alex Lyon because there was a long period where Felix Sandstrom, when the Flyers came back, Felix Sandstrom was their taxi squad goalie. Yeah, Sandstrom was still up. Which yeah. which strongly implies to me that Alex Lyon was in COVID protocol as well because they don't need to put guys on the taxi squad on the COVID list. So Lyon then was probably in COVID protocol. Then they come back. He's, he's back practicing with the team. Shortly thereafter, Hart basically starts melting down then they're like oh shit we probably should get Alex Lyon in some games because well Carter Hart might have to just not play for a couple weeks they send him down to the AHL for the first game that matches up with taxi squad you know and everything like that and he plays one period and then the game gets paused (laughs) because of COVID like, I'm not laughing so, because and, and of COVID. Si- I'm just laughing because this is so funny. No, it, it's it, hilarious. It, it, it's, it's laughable. It is laughable. And then since then, I don't think the schedule is really lined up where... Because the thing is... <clears throat> sorry. The thing is they need to always have a third goalie on the taxi squad. Yeah. That's like actually an NHL rule. So when they're doing this maneuvering, they always have to have a goalie on the taxi squad. So they basically have to work it. So like if we're going to get Lion a game... We have to be getting giving him a game when the fly the, like in the AHL. We have to give him a game in the AHL when the Flyers aren't playing because they got to have line up there on game days just in case somebody tweaks something in warmups or whatever, and then line has to come in or there's like a last minute positive test or whatever. And the Flyers have just played so many games over the past month that their the schedule hasn't really lined up that well. Like I think line is supposed to be playing tonight for the Phantoms, I think. I think I saw Bill Meltzer tweet that out yesterday somewhere in the in the void of, of being an f- observer of the Philadelphia Flyers. So they're, they're trying, but this whole thing is just laughably nuts. It's it's nuts. And, and, and like, that that's the thing when, when you come th- back to the schedule. Like, yes, every team is dealing with the schedule, but, like, this is the perfect storm of how the schedule can make things worse because when your goalies are playing poorly, you get frustrated. Then... When you get frustrated, you start, you know, not executing as well, which usually can be fixed by practices that they can't have. Plus, they're they're exhausted, and I can say that because, like, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not as angry at the Flyers as most of the fans are because, like, I just write about this team, and I'm fucking exhausted. 
Like oh, yeah. I am no, like it's... I am utterly spent and drained, and I'm not playing a fucking sport. I'm just staying up late writing about it. So I totally get that the Flyers are exhausted because I'm sure they are. How couldn't they be? No, like I had a I had a night off because the Flyers had a night off a couple of days ago, and I was like on my other show, and we do a segment where it's like, "What are you doing tonight?" I was like, "There's no Flyers game. I'm doing jack shit, and I can't wait. I can't fucking wait." I was like, I, "I'm just talking about it. I can't imagine how exhausted they are." But then, like, and, you get, more, and you get more exhausted when you're losing because then it's of like, course. yeah, because I'm yelling because you're, you're, you're in a shitty place mentally, yeah. Yeah, I'm not just like, hey, let's crack a beer. That was fun. Hip, hip, hooray. I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to fight you. Like, so it's, it's very different mentally. But uh, like, th- then I make myself more mad thinking about the exhaustion factor because I understand it. And I, I do think it's a valid excuse. It's an excuse, but it's valid. A then reason, I go, William. A yeah, reason. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a reason, absolutely. But then I think... You know what else is exhausting? The fucking Stanley Cup playoffs. Are they going to just run out of gas and we're going to have to go, well, too bad about that, too? Like, they, you know, they, they play every other night in the playoffs and it's going to be real tough and you don't get to, yeah. like, you don't yeah. get to just take time off for injuries and you don't get to see your family. Like, it's going to suck then, too, whether it's a COVID season or not. The ultimate goal is winning the cup, so I thought. So it's like, I then get even more mad thinking about that. It also just doesn't explain away everything that's going wrong. Like, you're not, you know skating into the Islander zone on a three-on-two and then just stopping. Stopping. Because you're tired. Like, that's just some (laughs) dumb shit that you're doing for a reason that I can't put my finger on. Like, you're not... I mean, I guess maybe you would be standing around in the defensive zone because you're sleepy, but seems like you could probably, you know, scoot yourself around a little bit. It's ice, so you can just kind of (laughs) slide. It's just, it's just, like, the exhaustion thing I for sure get... And I think it's, you could use it as an excuse for some things, maybe some sloppiness or some mental lapses, but like all of this is not just tired. There's some other shit going on here that I don't really understand, but it is kind of getting hard to argue against the idea that this is a bad mix. Yeah, it is. I I mean, the the point I'll make about the mix, and I think we're going to, maybe we just transition right into this now, the the concept of like the core and whatnot, and you know, do we need to blow it up? And the the fascinating part about that argument, and like, look, fine, people are going to yell that they want guys to be traded because they're angry at the team, and that's totally fair. They have every right to be angry at this team. It's not the older guys that are playing poorly. Yeah. Like, like the... Couturier's playing good. Giroux's playing good. JVR's playing good. Voracek and Hayes, they're they're not playing great. But, like, I don't think they are, like, the problems. Mm -mm. The problems are, like, every single young player, with the exception of Joel Farabee, is playing far below, not, not even far below what we hope for them. They're playing far below what they've delivered in the NHL yeah. in the past. Like, far below is, just their average result. Yes. Like, uh, like even, even somebody like Nolan Patrick, who we've said multiple times, you know, has not... With Lindblom, it's like, okay, he's got to get back to where he was. We don't know what Nolan Patrick's 
was is because he's still kind of an unknown. But like he's even playing worse than he did when he was just a decent third yeah. line center in his first two seasons. Like all the young players out named Joel Farabee are underperforming their previous baselines in the NHL. And that's what's happening. Like, really, all this is, is the veteran core is basically turn the clock back to 2015 or 2014-15 or whatever when they had no supporting cast. They have the supporting cast in theory now, but the supporting cast is playing like dog shit. And that's now, like, that brings me to my greatest concern is the Hextall era was a failure. Like, if these guys aren't delivering now, when, uh, this is it. Like, yeah. and it, it's not so much the players, Drew, Voracek, Couturier. And, like, you know what? I'm throwing Lawton in there because this is, like, year eight for him. He was drafted mm-hmm. in 2012. This is Ghosts year six. It's Raffles year eight. TK and Provi year five. Why are, we, ta- why are we talking four. about Michael fucking Raffle? Like, fine. Because he's, he's been, been he's, on the team. He's, he's part here, of the mix. But, like, it doesn't matter. If he doesn't matter, then he shouldn't be here. Yeah, fine, fine. If trade he's him, not contributing tra- to them winning, he should be gone. Trade him for a fifth-round pick. Fine, whatever. Okay. He's, he's, well, if, it's a yeah, bunch if, of guys if, who've if, been if, together forever. If that'll make people happy, fine. Trade Michael Raffle. Who cares? He's in, the, he's in the room for a reason. He's been around for eight years and not just an interchangeable player XYZ because he has some sort of ability, whether it's tangible or intangible, that they find valuable. I credit him as part of this leadership group because he's been here for a decade. This group has to be shaken up. It's not so much about their individual results as it is a team built around these guys that I just named have never given you anything but mediocrity. Like, JVR came came and left and came back and he still hasn't been to a conference final since his rookie season. Like, I... What what are we doing with this team? It's a group of guys who've never delivered positive results. Never. So, okay, yes, facts. Those are facts. But the problem for me with arguing that this is a, and let's be realistic, when most people are talking about the core of this team, they're not talking about... They're talking about, about three guys. They're talking about Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, and Sean Couturier. And really the first two, because everybody loves Couturier. Exactly. So, the idea that Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek themselves, something that they are doing in the room, like, perhaps Claude Giroux's handshakes are some kind of curse. Like, the (laughs) idea that these two guys are the reason why this team isn't winning is just on its face, silly, logically. In the past, they haven't had much in the way of a supporting cast, as one of you just said. Now they do. And the problem is that the supporting cast is dog shit. And that goes to the Hextall thing. But also, I think that when you're talking about a team being a bad mix, it doesn't have anything to do with the individual talent of each player. Like, perhaps, like... They hated the way that Mike Richards and Jeff Carter acted off the ice. They didn't like that they were partying all the time. They didn't like that they were, like, bros or whatever. There was something about that relationship that the team didn't like. And that's part of the reason why they decided, I think, to blow them up. Maybe, like, honestly, like, this isn't real. I'm just saying that, like, maybe Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick 
are a little too nonchalant about their hockey playing because they're just a couple of young guys hanging out having fun. Is that real? Probably not. Is it a stupid thing to try to blame for a whole hockey team losing games? Of course. But, like, maybe these guys together just doesn't work. But the idea that you blow it up is silly. It's got to be, like, a surgical removal of whatever player will get you the most value back at this point. Like, whatever one it is. If it's Konechny, then it's him. Go on. Go. go. If it's Lawton... Okay, like you just trade whoever you can to improve the team and then see if that mix works because this mix doesn't. But it's It's, not Claude Giroux. It's certainly not working now. Yeah, it's certainly not working now. And and one would think they have to do, you know, they have to make some moves in the offseason. Now, I I don't know what those moves are going to be. I presume that there's no way that they're going to go into another season without getting a high-end defenseman. Like, that's just that's just the... I don't know who that guy's going to be, but, like, there's so much smoke around the Flyers being involved in every single conversation for every single high-end defenseman that's out there that, like, I can't imagine they come out of next summer without someone who fits that bill. Again, whether it's the right person or not, who the hell knows. But, like, I I imagine they're going to get someone. Beyond that, I mean, yeah, I I wrote a story before the season basically saying that this was the year where they were going to figure out if these pieces fit together, and— Oh, they're finding out they might not. So, yeah, you probably need to make some moves. You probably need to do some player-for-player deals, and I, I think they will, but what what those moves are going to be, yeah, you know, you just you got to get them right. I mean, this is a, this suddenly is a make-or-break offseason for Chuck Fletcher. Now, I hate talking about this sort of thing because, like, by definition, intangibles are unquantifiable, so there's no... There's no way to know. Like, Kelly jokes, like, oh, it's Claude Giroux's handshakes. But Claude Giroux has been a great lead-by-example captain. But we all know his personality. It is not that of your, uh, you know, grab-him-by-the-face-mask sort of leaders. Um, Does it just not work with this group? Like, do they need a different... I'm not saying strip the C, but, like, do they need... To focus more, obviously they just need more good players. Like I, I did an exercise on one of the post games. How many prime age line one caliber players are on this team? My answer is Sean Couturier. That's it, offense or defense. That's but but it. but but that but that's the th- is but that's the leadership the also the an issue. Yeah, but but that goes back to my my overarching point, which is I think they do have line one prime age players in theory. They're just not playing like. And and maybe that's, you know, maybe we've, we've all overrated these players, but, like, I do believe Travis Konechny has the ability to be a top-line caliber player. He was all of last regular season. Was that just a fluke? I mean, maybe that was a best-case scenario ceiling of his rather than the progression into the player he's going to be, but he's done it. He's actually done it. He's not doing it this year, obviously. And... What the what, what Fletcher needs to decide is whether, you know, okay, what is the true talent level of these young players? Because while I don't think that you can look at it and say that, okay, this is this is what Carter Hart is, this is what Travis Konechny is, this is what Ivan Provorov is purely by how they're performing this season. This is what Phil Myers and Travis Sanheim are. While I don't think you can say that, you also can't throw out this sample size either. 
You know, every game a young player plays gives you a better understanding in aggregate of how good that young player is. It's and when a you start, point. yeah, and when you start tossing out bits of the sample size because they just don't fit with your desired conclusion, that's when you make bad decisions. So, like, do I think Carter Hart is this bad? No, but does this season make it? inherently less likely that he's going to be a superstar goal yeah it does because it's a data point like this is a data point and it's not an encouraging data point it's the same like this data this data point of these 31 games yeah it makes it more likely that like Ivan Provorov is not going to be that number one defenseman that the Flyers are going to need to get that number one defenseman from the outside because he's just not going to be that guy does that mean he definitely can't become that guy no but it means that it's more likely that he's not going to become that guy because, again, the data points that they're getting are not good. So what, what Chuck Fletcher, in my mind, has to do is he has to really take a good hard look at these young players and come to a determination of how good he actually thinks they are and then use that to negotiate with teams and trades who maybe do think these young players are actually as good as we all hoped they were and also use that to better understand what outside pieces he needs to bring in to supplement them, the guys that stick around. Because, like, I mean, going back to Ivan Provorov, going into the season, you were hoping Ivan Provorov was going to take that step to be the, the, the true talent number one. And if he did, then you still were going to need to make an ad on defense, but maybe you could make an ad of a guy who's, like, a good number two or even, like, another really good number three. Well, now it looks like it's imperative they go out and they get a legitimate top pair defenseman because... Ivan Provorov, in my mind, is showing that he's not that guy. And if he's not that guy, you got to get that guy. So these are the kind of evaluations that Chuck Fletcher has to make on his young players because it's essential in understanding what pieces they need to add, even if you're not giving away the young players. You have to have a clear mind of what these young players are. And I hope Chuck Fletcher's got it. Yeah, like even if it's just these guys become the depth, they then need to have a layer on top of the depth. Like, yeah, maybe Provorov turns out, but. You know, in terms of being that 30-minute playoff number one guy who just eats up half the game, I'm not confident that's who he is at this point. Um, What the hell did I want to say? Oh, are we still, like, horrified at the prospect of losing Phil Myers in the expansion draft? Like, should that stop Chuck Fletcher from, you know, making a move because we might lose the almighty Phil? I don't think anything should be stopping Phil, or Phil, should be stopping Chuck Fletcher from making a move. Like, literally not one thing. If there is a move to be made between now and next season that improves the team, then he has to do it. Figure out the expansion draft shit later. If you don't want to lose Phil Myers in the expansion draft, figure out a way to not do that. But you don't not make a move for fear of the expansion draft at this point because it's gotten bad enough that you can't, like, that can't be the forefront of your thinking at this point. It has to just be improving the team. Yeah. I hesitate, Bill, to bury someone like Phil Myers. Who, Objective. I'm not burying him. I'm just saying, terrible. why the fuck would Seattle want him? Because of course that that. But you are burying him by saying that because, like, yes, of course Seattle would want him because he's a six-five right-handed defenseman who can skate really well, and he's having a bad year. He's young. Like, yes, yeah, Seattle would take him in a fucking heartbeat. They take a guy a who heartbeat. can't play. 
He, he's playing poorly now. But like you're getting too fo- you're getting too focused in the here and now and not looking at the player that number one that he has been before number two that the entire league thinks he can be. Uh, like why why do they think he can be that? He's shown because flashes they, because they watch him play. So do I. He can't hit the net. Yeah, like, right he doesn't now know where the fucking net is never. He's, he's playing he's like twelve points he's, in his career. He's playing poorly now. That doesn't mean he's always going to play poorly. I just don't see, like, if there's good players available, why you'd be like, man, this guy who's never been better than, like, maybe a second-pair defenseman, um, yeah, we need him. He's the one. Like, well, he's, no, never done, he's never done a goddamn thing. I, th- I mean, I think that both of these things can be true. Like, you need to improve the team now without worrying about losing a guy like Phil Myers in the expansion draft, but also... Would be nice if we didn't lose Phil Myers in the expansion draft. Oh, Both I don't want to just give him away for nothing. I'm just and saying the can... fear of losing him is ridiculous. I, I don't think that's true. I mean, if, if you look at this roster of all the players that we could possibly lose to Seattle, Phil Myers is not at the top of the list that I would be okay with losing. Like, that yeah. would be that one would be a bummer. If you lose Nicholas Obey-Cubell, eh. All right. Whatever. He's bad this year. He's, right. he's a Who non-factor cares? whatsoever. That's like that's better than losing Pierre Edward Belmar. Yeah. Like I mean, if you lose Scott Lawton, that sucks. But like, eh, all right. That would suck. But you know. But losing Phil Myers, I don't. As Charlie said, I don't think you can discount what we have. If you are, you can't just focus on the bad things. The good things are there too, and the the pieces that you can't teach like size and handedness and skating ability like those are all things that he has that like no amount of playing poorly are going to take away from him and if you are building a hockey team from scratch and you can get a 6-5 right-handed defenseman that can skate that's like how old is he 23 24 yeah you're gonna take him Exactly. Even if it's a just like, well, we'll see what happens here because that could be good. Like, you're going to take him. Exactly. I would rather, like, try to compete than, like, buy a lottery ticket, personally. That's, like, he's I guess, not I, good. If yeah, you're I, doing I, an expansion draft, that's all you're doing is buying a bunch of lottery tickets. No, there's a bunch of established players that are going to be available. I would much rather have Scott Lawton because I know he's a good player. He's not great. But Phil Myers is actively bad right now. Like, he's right a now. bad player. Right now. Right now. Yes! And they're going to draft him right now! But they're going to look at all the other stuff, too. They're not just going to look at yesterday's game against the Devils. <laughs> they're going to look at this season and go, hmm, I don't think he can stop anybody. The other team sent t- tends to get a lot of scoring chances when he's out there. He tends to pass it to them a lot. Like, I don't know. We're I mean, the, con- the quick- yeah, yeah. The, the concept of, of Phil Myers, like, giving him up to the expansion draft, like... If, if, I don't want to just if, give if, him up. If you're going to do that, you might as well trade him. Because yeah. trust me, trust me, he's got a lot of value around the league still, regardless of how frustrated you are with oh, him right now. Oh, I would, I would love to get something for him. I would love to not lose him for nothing. I'm just saying the fear of losing him, like not making a move because, oh my goodness, Phil Myers, who stinks, might leave. Like, that's no. ridiculous. All right, let's Agreed. take a quick break, and we'll be back with more uh, sunshine and rainbows on the other side. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back, and uh, so Chuck Fletcher is going to speak to the media in a couple of hours at this point. Um, 
Are we expecting, like, anything of substance? This just kind of feels like we haven't had a press conference in a little while, so let's have a press conference. Like, yeah, are we expecting? Are we expecting him to, like, deliver his resignation or announce we just pulled some kid out of Russia who's going to save the season or <laughs> be like Elaine Vigneault's fired? Like, are we expecting anything of, like, uh, like actual newsworthiness to happen? Well, that's why I... I, I keep thinking it's funny that Flyers fans are like, I can't believe we haven't heard from Chuck through all this. Like, what is he going to say? Like, what is he going to say, really? They I just want they just want blood. I need help. Please they just want blood. me. Help me. I need stuff. Like, what is he going to say that's going to make you feel better? Nothing. He's going to say want... the same shit that they always say. They just want blood. It's the same yes. people. It's the same people that yell at me every day because I'm not asking tough questions. And by tough questions, they mean why haven't you asked why we haven't lined up the entire team on a wall and shot them all? <laughs> well, that's. I mean, there's like there's a gross misunderstanding of what the media is supposed to do with a lot of people. Like mm. they think you're supposed to go in there and hand out stone cold stunners every time like, <laughs> something goes wrong. And it's like, yeah, you know, he has to uh, see these people tomorrow. He can't just say fuck you every 25 minutes, but like, I just, it, man, it, what would surprise you? What could Chuck, like if Chuck, I'll tell you what will really uh, not surprised because it's what I'm expecting. It's what will really disappoint me from this if he says something like, well, we've played ourselves out of, uh, you know, making a move now. And it's like, buddy, you built this thing. But they have. Like, I don't think he would say that, though. Oh, they, they absolutely have. have. Yeah, and oh, he knows can, that, but I don't think he'll ever say it out loud. I can absolutely, not that, but I can absolutely hear him saying, like, you know, we've made a determination that, like, Parting with certain assets isn't in our long-term best interest because of the way we've played lately. Some bullshit like that. And while that is true, I don't want a bunch of rentals. This team clearly needs a long-term fix. Get good players with term on their contract. Then you don't have to worry about it just being a band-aid. I mean, I'm sure that's what he's doing. But they don't ever say this shit out loud. Like, he's probably going to get up there and say... We like our players. They've been underachieving. We're looking to make the team better in any way we can. Like, he's just going to say the same empty NHL general manager bullshit that they always say. No one ever says out loud what they actually need. You can't say it out loud. A couple of years ago, the Phillies had a press conference where the president of the team was like, yeah, I don't really see us doing anything. Uh, if we don't make the playoffs, we don't make the playoffs. Like, so I don't, they do I don't know say how it. baseball works. It's, baseball I mean, may be it, a, a place where people I, tell truths. I mean, no, he got, he, got, he got absolutely destroyed for it for like two oh. years. But well, there you go. I'm just saying it happened. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some veiled, um, some like resignation about the state of the franchise for this season at least. And also, like, we started this show with you saying they're only two points behind Boston. <laughs> We're only halfway through the season, technically. Are you going to go out there as the guy leading an organization and say, all right, I know we've got 28 games left and you're only two points back, but you might as well just pack it in, boys, because you fucking suck and we're not going to win anything this year. Like, they're not going to do that. I mean, honestly, 
I would love it just to embarrass the players for their effort. I never I mean, talk about. It would be about, fun for us. I never. But. I never talk about effort. I never talk about heart because, like those things, there's a million hockey reasons why things happen. And like, yes, goaltending has been an issue for this team, and that just makes things look a lot worse. But like some nights, I mean, you lose nine nothing. You're not trying hard enough. I'm sorry. Like no, last night, question. last night when every goal goes in because guys are just standing around looking around, like you're not trying hard enough. It just, when was the last time someone dove to make a play? Has it happened in weeks? Like, I, I'm, I'm looking at Travis Konechny last night. He's within stick length of a guy who scored, and instead of, like, diving, he was just like, ah, oh, fuck, that sucks. Like, uh, I, you know, I would love for something to happen that embarrassed these players into trying harder or, like, made them really look in the mirror at the sort of effort they're putting out there, but I, I don't see I mean, that happening, no. A 9-0 loss should be that thing. And if it's not that, I I don't really know if anything would. Which well, the, is the, the thing, the thing but, that but, I can't understand. Like that goes back but, to but, but the thing is is that like they did come back the next the next game and play a good game. It's just then they don't sustain it. Like yeah. and they didn't even really sustain it for the full sixty minutes because they blew a three nothing lead. Even if that was just mostly because Hart can't stop pucks and bad luck. Like there was not you didn't come out of that game feeling good. It was like if they would have they would have won three nothing, cruised to a victory, you could have at least been like, Okay, that was exactly the type of response that you could do. You still unacceptably lose nine nothing, but exactly the type of response you, you want to see. Instead, you have to squeeze out a win on a last last minute goal because you can't hold on to a three nothing lead in a game where you played really well. Like and then get, there's it it never gets sustained. And then get dump trucked the next night. Like Yeah. Was it the next night or two nights later the six one loss? Two nights later. Game, yeah, the whatever it was. Like, yeah, that w- it wasn't a back to back because it would be back to back. When you're, when to you're back. losing six to one and uh, Oscar Lindblom, the guy, the the dude who just recovered from cancer, is dropping the gloves, that game should have been a shit show. It shouldn't have been hockey. When that happens, you just go ah fuck it and make it like re- remember that awful start they had a couple of years ago, and uh, it was more than a couple at this point. It was like a decade ago, but and Ray Emery just just tries to murder Braden Holpe, honestly, and then they went on an awesome run after that. I'm not saying that's what happens, but, like, when you're just playing the absolute worst hockey imaginable, and the dude you rallied around last year who had a life-threatening illness is the one stepping up physically, like, everyone else should kind of answer that toll. Like, I know it's not this team's personality, but I was personally embarrassed that that game didn't become an absolute shit show. Like, I know it doesn't happen in hockey a lot, but it does happen from time to time. Do that. At least show me you care a little bit. What I'm seeing right now is a team that doesn't care all that much, and that leads me to this next point. Doesn't a stretch of, uh, like, a 4-8-1 and one record where you lose 9 nothing to a team that won the draft lottery last season and get embarrassed by the Devils who are going to win, like, maybe 30% of their games this year, and uh, you blow a 3-1 lead, um, y- you need to come back from 3-1 against Buffalo, you generally lack any sort of desperation or emotion, uh, anything resembling professionalism on the ice. Doesn't that kind of stretch typically get a coach fired? I mean, not as I wrote down there, not near to a five-year contract when he almost won the Jack Adams last year. No chance. That doesn't, that's not to say that I don't think that he plays some kind of part in this because I think that he does. There's been a lot of oh. things that he's done this season that confuse the fuck out of me. 
I um, think he's the least culpable of everybody. Like, if his ah. players just can't play well, what the fuck? Like, if his goalies can't stop a shot, what are you going to no, do? I mean, he's not helping the situation. No, no yeah, he's yeah, not yeah, helping. Exactly. When, when, you, when you throw Nate Prosser in games and then have him be one of the primary reasons why you lose 6-1 to because he turns the puck over three times and immediately leads the goals, you're not helping the situation. And also Actually, just like, I love the Nate Prosser move because I oh think God. it's an attempt to embarrass. I think it's an attempt to embarrass the GM into fixing a situation he created. <laughs> I mean, that would be cool and stuff, but I don't know if that's true. I I honestly think that NHL coaches are so dumb sometimes, and they do things like, "Well, yeah, look at this thirty-five-year-old guy who never got a shot. <laughs> I brought him in, and he got a goal almost immediately. This guy knows how to work on the ice." I'm going to bring him back in and see what happens. Like, it's that kind of dumb shit thinking that gets us into these kind of spots. But he's also, like, hasn't, like, kept a line together for more than five minutes and, like, doesn't seem to hold his assistants accountable for their bullshit performances. Like, he's done a lot of stuff that I'm – I didn't expect to turn on him. I'm not fully out on him yet, but I I didn't expect to be here year two. I, I, I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot about this. Like he doesn't keep lines together. That's kind of not true. That top I mean, line's been together. That top that top line's been together for like the entire month. The Konechny Lawton Hayes line's been together the entire month. For some reason, it's still like, together. Like if if anything, I, I I do hear a lot of people talk about like he juggles too much. Like if anything, I I've been wanting him to break up that Couturier line for weeks. Not because it's not good, but because it's like you got your three best players stacked on one line. Why don't you give some of the other guys some help that can't do anything right? That'd be nice. <laughs> like, nah, let's just give, let's just give Giroux Raffle again. See how that goes. Like he's that moving, around, like, he, he's moving pieces only like on the defense game. around. Yeah, he's moving yeah. pieces on the defense around. But like that's because the defense, everyone yeah. with the maybe exception of Justin Braun, is playing poorly. It's inc- like is Justin Braun like is he the best defenseman? <laughs> don't say that shit out loud. No, I can't even, like you? no the the word the word can't be best cuz like he's not that good. But like is he the least bad? Least bad. Right now <laughs> like, least bad, right yeah. Now? <laughs> I'm just I'm so baffled by this fucking team. Do you think uh, that Chuck Fletcher would fire an assistant coach? I don't do I do really that? So I, I don't wish that he would, but I don't think that he will. I'm just wondering out loud if he might. My the thing with with that and like, look, I get why everybody's super frustrated with the assistant coaches, particularly Michelle Terrian. But like, so I'm fairly confident that Elaine Vino doesn't want to fire any any of his assistant coaches because like they're all buddies, and you know it's you know he trusts them, they have experience, they've been NHL head coaches, all that stuff. So the only way for Fletcher to fire one of the assistant coaches is if he really wants to go to war with his head coach, which like maybe he should, but I don't think he wants to. Especially, especially, you know, I know there's going to be like, I'm making excuses, but like, this is a weird year. The team was very good last season. They won a playoff round. I don't know if Chuck Fletcher is going to look at this and be like, I want to risk starting a war with my highly paid head coach because of this year. You know what I mean? I just, I'm skeptical. Not saying he shouldn't do it. I'm just, I'm skeptical that he will decide that is the right move. And like, I, I'm... I'm mad, I'm frustrated with this team, but I am like, if it, if it wasn't for the previous seven seasons, I would be willing to chalk this one up 
to, yeah, weird fucking year. Yeah, that's fair. But that, that's fair. 100%, I really would be. Because, like, it is, again, like, these are all valid reasons why things just might not be going their way this year. But after going through what we went through as fans, like, this just isn't fair. Like, it's not fair to ask people to go through this again and when it looks so similar. Like, these aren't... Uh, they're new problems because there's some new players, but, like, I just ran through a list of guys who've been here four or five-plus years. This isn't just a, a brand-new thing. It's so similar-looking to what it looked like under Hackstall and under Barubi that, like, God damn it. I, and, 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 and it's I think, not... Yeah. And I know, like, I, just last week I said fair is what you pay to get on the bus. Like, life ain't fair. But haven't we been through enough? Why are they I, doing I, this to us, Charlie? I think that's you actually hit on a really important point in terms of the gap between how frustrated fans are and how frustrated Chuck Fletcher is. Like, I'm not saying Chuck Fletcher isn't frustrated, but like Chuck fans look fans look at this situation as this is year eight of everything sucks. Chuck Fletcher looks at this as this is year two of what I've seen. Like he doesn't look at this as the extension of a tenure when he wasn't here. He looks at this as, okay, I came in the first, the first half year was, you know, me evaluating the situation. Your, your real year one of my tenure was good and these players looked good and I liked what I saw. This year has stunk, but like, that's my window. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at how things have gone since I've been here and making first-hand evaluations of the team, whereas the fans are looking at this as a continuation of everything over the last decade that has pissed them off. And I think that's why there is a gap in terms of how angry the fans are and how angry Chuck Fletcher is because Chuck Fletcher does not have those years and years and years of being pissed off all the time at this team and at some of these specific players as well. And also, Chuck Fletcher's motivation in life is not to, like, mollify the whiny yes. babies in the Flyers fan base. It's to put together a winning team. And I'm, I'm okay with the idea that I might have to sacrifice what is happening this season in order for a long-term project to come to fruition. But I do think that there does need to be be some kind of acknowledgement through personnel movement that what we have here isn't working yeah and i it, agree with that and it it goes back to last season because in the playoffs they were this kind of dog shit like this is exactly what we saw in the playoffs for the most part outside They're of just the, getting more saves yeah the round robin they looked good but that doesn't count know, quite possibly the other teams weren't trying in hindsight it's pretty clear they weren't yeah, so... Like, based on I, everything we've seen since, they just weren't. Yeah, even if, Chuck, if, even if Chuck puts on blinders and only looks at his time here, there are problems that he needs to solve, and I'm sure that he knows that. I just don't know that he's going to do it in a way ever that makes people happy, because I don't think that a lot of people are going to be happy until they win a Stanley Cup. When Literally nothing about, will make them happy. No, sure. When we talk about mixing up like, we talked earlier about mixing up the group, and, you know, I, I ran down all the guys who've been here four or five-plus years. We're really talking about trading Jake Voracek, right? Like, 
yeah, I don't think I, I've, anyone I've, I've made that point. I've made that point on social media. Yeah, yeah like, like I don't listen. I'm frustrated with Claude Giroux, the captain, but I don't think there's any question. Like he's been one of their best players this year. Yes, I um, agree with that. Uh, like Sean Couturier, I, I made the point a couple of minutes ago. He's their only line one caliber prime aged player. Now maybe TK turns back into that. Maybe he doesn't. We'll wait and see. I suppose uh, if he's part of a trade package, though. See you later, TK. Like, we're talking about Jake Voracek, right? Yeah. Okay. No, we are. I mean, and this is the thing that I I know I'm a broken record bringing this up, but it has to be brought up every single time I hear the the Claude Giroux thing get brought up. Like, he has a no-movement clause that he doesn't want to waive. Like, it doesn't matter. You can scream and yell as much as you want that they should trade Claude Giroux. You you actually are not allowed to. You are <laughs> yeah. not allowed to unless Claude Giroux says I am willing to leave, and he's not doing that. Yeah, it's so it's, it's 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 irrelevant. It's irrelevant if you want to trade Claude Giroux. You can't unless the only way you trade Claude Giroux is if you basically go to him and tell him we want to trade you. You should waive your no movement clause, and we're going to keep asking you to waive your no movement clause, and we're basically going to make you make it clear you're not wanted anymore which to be totally honest with you i understand why people are frustrated enough to want them to do that that would be a disgrace mm-hmm. like yeah that's something you don't do no. to a player and i know that that the flyers haven't won anything with claude Giroux, but like you don't do that to someone who has bled for this organization for as long as claude Giroux has you just don't you don't no, do it. It's yeah. it, 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 like it goes beyond the numbers. Everyone knows the numbers, but like, look at the games played. You gonna tell me a guy his size playing his minutes and his and at his position like ain't been hurt? You know, he's been hurt a lot for this team. Oh yeah, and like, oh, yeah. He's also he's not the so reason they injuries. lose. He's not the no, reason yeah, they he's, lose. It's so fucking no. stupid to say that he is. Like, he's out there playing good hockey every night for the entire time that he's been here. And what, he's going into the locker room and doing something that makes everybody else suck? It's fucking yeah. stupid. It doesn't make any maybe sense. He's got, maybe he's got the worst taste in music. I mean, he like, clearly maybe... does. That two-time <laughs> shit is not good. And then that time that they let him pick the goal song, terrible. He really does have uh, bad taste in music. Perhaps that is the that's... reason why they can't win teams. Maybe that's it. But like, I really <laughs> that's, just, a, I really... that's the intangible problem. He I fixed really his just... tooth and they considered it a personal <laughs> affront to the idea of hockey culture that he no longer had a snaggy tooth. I really just don't want to be the franchise that like trades but, 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 all but... of its all-time greats either. Like he's going to go down one or two in absolutely everything. And like moving him signifies a complete rebuild, which yes. yes, I think I think things need to change. I think there needs to be a cultural change. But like, I don't want to start completely over because I'm not going to live long enough to see that pay off. Yeah, that's the other thing. The people who are so pissed off at the idea of being two years away from being two years away now want to blow up the wanna entire be 12 years away. team and go through an entire rebuild that will take at least five years. Like, like look that's how what long you want to do right now. Come on, look how long it took to get to this point. Yes, for <laughs> double <fuck's> sake. <laughs> like double it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I've, so. I've I've said this I, I've said this in our Slack channel. Like, I almost like I disagree with them, but I actually respect the people who are saying trade Sean Couturier because at oh. least at, at least they get it <laughs> that that if if you're if you're yeah, in blow you're it up, up if you're in blow it up mode, that's what you got to do. And if you think if you think that this team just can't win, 
that, that, that there is something inherent to this team that it just can't win and it's not going to win for the next three to four years, then yes, you have to trade Sean Couture. Now, to be clear, I think that's stupid because I don't think they're three to four years away. But if you actually believe that, the only logical move is to trade Sean Couture now before you give him an $8 million a year deal that lasts through his 30s. Like, at least it, it's, it's dumb in my mind, but at least it's logically consistent. I love Charlie. Charlie O'Connor respects the stupid. I love it. Now, <laughs> hey, all I all I ask for is logical that's consistency. I, that's America. I, ask, right I just there. ask for like if you if you have a position, follow it out to its logical ends, and that is the <laughs> logical ass. end. That is the logical end of this team will not win in the next three or four years. It is. I really like that's how we. I think that's wrong, that's, but. That's how we re- that's how we unite the left and the right. We need to respect the stupid. That's how we bring this country back together. All right, real quick, I know I know we all want to get out of here. Uh, Ryan Ellis in thirty one thoughts. Gimme. Listen, I I like Matthias. I liked Matthias El- Ekholm. My God, give me Ryan Ellis, Ellis please. Better. What's that going to take? I like T K. T K. Sandheim in a one. I mean, I would assume you would have to give up at least one. Like legitimate roster player. Oh, for sure. To get to get Ryan Ellis, and then yeah. you're I mean you're giving up a first to be sure, um, and then maybe a pro, a really good prospect addition. But I would assume you're that the Ekholm deal you could make without giving up a roster piece. I imagine a Ryan Ellis deal would require a good roster piece, which um, is fine. Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. Are totally we totally fine? <laughs> are we attached to anybody like Joel Farabee? to me unless we're getting fucking Connor McDavid or a legit superstar untouchable um is there any player or prospect you believe to be like untouchable at this point for me no especially prospects i know that that the organization is attached to some of them like i know that as charlie said they're definitely not ever going to trade cam york i would say definitely but it, it would take a lot it would take, like, okay, I, I don't see it happening for me i yeah, Petran- petrangelo ain't available so like, yeah for me there's not a single prospect at this point that is untouchable because i'm tired of waiting for prospects to develop it's win now time as we've said a thousand times on the roster at this point there are Aren't a lot of players I'm attached. No, that said, I don't want to Couturier see them. Couturier Farabee. I would say I would say yeah, Couturier, Couturier Farabee Hart. Couturier Farabee Hart. I, I throw Hart in there. Yeah. I yeah. wouldn't want them to like trade Travis Konechny for some bullshit. But like, if they're trading Travis Konechny to get Ryan Ellis, okay. Yeah, sure, it's fine. If they're trading Travis Sanheim to get a a player of that caliber, sucks. But all right. Like you, you, you have to, to get exactly. Yeah. You got to give up good players to get good players. If they're gonna improve this team in a meaningful way, that will impact them in the next one to two years. Some of these roster guys are gonna go, probably ones that you like, and you just have to deal with it. The list of guys I like on this team is very short down. right now. Very short. Well, I mean, well, of course, <laughs> of course, the team's playing bad. Like th- this is. I hate all of them. This is what happens when a team plays poorly. You hate <laughs> everyone on the team because you're mad that they're playing poorly. Like, as I do think, and I guess this is what separates me from the really, really negative people. I do think these players are good, and I think the vast majority of, if not all, will remember at some point. That they are good. Now well, that's why are, I'm so now, mad, Charlie, because yeah, they are yeah. good. Yeah. Now there are degrees of that. Like as we talked about earlier, you know, maybe poor extended poor play for a long time lowers your belief in just how good they are. 
but I think they're good. And it would hurt to lose any of the good players, but sometimes you have to give up good players to get better players. Wonder what we could get for Nolan Patrick, fam. <laughs> I can't believe it took us this long to get to Nolan Patrick. I was going to make a joke talk. earlier about Nolan. how Nolan Patrick ruined Travis Konechny, my comment. I In the beginning of the season, I said... I said life is too good to worry about the fourth line. Nolan Patrick's a fucking fourth liner. I don't fourth care. Liner. Good, 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 good for you. Good for you, kid. Stay down there. Enjoy the fourth line. Uh, real quick, right before we finish up, I don't care about the draft lottery changes. That's boring. Um, the makeup call might have video. to though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. might have to. <laughs> Fuck it. The last time we won a lottery, it was an abject disaster. It's true. It sure was. So- uh, the makeup calls video with the oh, referee boy. saying I wanted to call a fucking penalty on Nashville there. Um, the only shocking thing about that to me was that people like were somehow shocked by it. Like we I all don't... know this is exactly how the game is officiated. Well, I think it was. I don't think that people were shocked that it was happening. I think it was a more of a see. You said it out loud. We fucking told you guys they've been doing this, and they keep telling us that they're not doing it, but they're obviously doing it. And then the stupid NHL was like, "Well, we're gonna fire this obviously bad seed that's retiring in a month." Because no one else would do this. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was just, like, I remember seeing uh, it, during the Chris Pronger tenure, like, a, a bad penalty gets called against the Flyers. Before the puck is dropped on that power play, Pronger goes up to an official, says something, and literally, when the puck is dropped, someone <laughs> blows a whistle and they just put a hand up and makes made something up. Of like, course they do. They just make it up as they go. We see it all the time. There was a trip last night that happened directly in front of the official and the dude in the neutral zone called it. It was in the offensive zone corner. Like they just make shit up and we know it. Well, yeah. Look at look at the look at the last two games the Flyers played, okay? <laughs> okay, so they they play the Islanders. That interference last the, night after the, playing the, I- the Islanders. The Islanders. The Islanders I probably saw 20 interference calls that did not get called. The Islanders they run were, the pick it, and roll better than the yeah, Sixers. It's their entire <laughs> style of play. The refs called none of it. Ten seconds into the game, the next day, the very next day, Justin yeah. Braun did something that every single Islanders defenseman did on every shift the night before, and it gets called. And you just had to laugh. You had to laugh because it's like, is that a penalty? Yes, but it wasn't a penalty the night before. No, it's never <laughs> called against them. Like it was never called against Chemo Team, and Chemo Team, and it was great at running those. Oh yeah, he did picks. it all the time. All like the time. he was awesome at it. It was just, it's just hilarious. Like sometimes there are rules, and sometimes there aren't. And all right, that's it. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up there. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, that's all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom, content cre- content delivered to you daily. I know I'm doing shit every day. I know Kelly is. I think everyone else is, too. I don't really know. It's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up. Uh, so just uh, do that. You know, support the podcast. Do all the stuff we always ask you to do. That's it. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!